Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan presents Stoker and Zach. Matt Smith in for Zach by today alongside Raymond Stokely. Happy Friday, y'all. It's a freaking weekend already, man. It's almost September. We made it. In fact, starting this weekend, we will have football that matters every single weekend until February. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we, we did it, wait. buddy. The dead period. All, yep. those, all those live baseball fires late at night. And that's all over now. Live hockey now, ones. Oh, oh, well, nice. We're getting back there soon. We're getting back there, so don't you worry about that. That'll be on the back burner. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least for the first few weeks. Yes. At least for the first few weeks. By the way, have you re-registered for our King Supers fan football pick yet? Me? Yeah. No, not yet. Oh, well, you might want to do that because it'll be an opportunity for you to lose to me again. Oh, yeah. nice. Can't I wait. am, of course, the defending champion in my debut season. For the fan football pick'em challenge, I of course came out victorious. So never, never a bad opportunity to pat myself on the back. No, no, you got just like Zach. Yeah, you're filling in for him. You got to act like him. <laughs> Look, I mean, it's it's a part of the job description here. So I just do my job. All right, right, I'm coming for you this year. You are? Yeah. All right. Well, good. I hope so. I need a little competition. Schlereth tried to at the end. Isn't yeah. it embarrassing for Mark that he doesn't win every year? He's the one who's getting the inside information, talking to all these coaches. He should be cleaning our clocks every year. It's step, hard. Step it's your hard. game up, Stan. Yeah, it's hard. That's a hard thing to do. I don't care what kind of info you have. I guess depending upon who you are, yeah, right? the, the challenge is yes. incremental. Okay, all right, let's talk about Jerry Judy here. The fallout from Jerry Judy and how the Broncos move on. He went down, carted off yesterday in practice. It came out via Ian Rappaport that the injury will only be several weeks in duration. But as we know, hamstrings are finicky, and little things can set it off, Stoke. Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, you want to be very cautious with it, you know, playing the wide receiver position. I mean, it's it's start, stop, cut, and out, you know, all those things. And so that thing has to be completely healed for him to get out on the football field. I... You know, I'm you hear several weeks and and I'm hoping commanders, you know, at the worst case scenario, and that's week two at the worst case scenario, it's against the Dolphins, if he doesn't have a setback, you know, the following week, the third game of the season. And who knows? Who knows? I mean, he heard it yesterday, it's two and a half weeks until the Raiders game. I'm I'm thinking that's probably Yeah, I don't think no he's gonna chance. play week one. Yeah. I mean I, right. Probably I would no be surprised. chance on that. I'd be uh, surprised. But, Hopefully, hopefully back for week two, and and maybe it's 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 week three against the Dolphins. So, I, I, when I first heard the news, I'm like, oh my gosh, did he hurt his knee? Um, he's done for the year. Another you know another Tim Patrick type of situation. That's going to be off. And then it's like, oh, it's his hamstring. It's like, oh okay, whoo, you know, out of, out a couple weeks, hopefully, out mm. a few weeks, hopefully, and that's the way it looks like it's lining up to be. So I think that's given the situation, probably best case scenario. Yeah, I guess if he, if you're going to have to lose him at any point, it, you'd only hope it's a it's a short-term injury. So in that regard, yeah, it's best case, but it's not best case because this is a football team that if you want to have a great year, if you if you're trying to have your first winning season in 6 years and the first time you make the playoffs at 7, you're going to have to start fast. I mean, yep. look at the schedule. If you come out and you go 1 and 3, I mean, Stoke, you could be in a position to get buried before the bye week because the second four games heading into the bye are way tougher 
than the first four. You're talking about the Jets, Kansas City twice, and the Packers. I mean, if you start one and three, what do you think your record is at the bye week? Yeah, um, not good. I don't. I don't think they start one and three. Um, I, do you I don't think, think so. it's a possibility. Oh, of course. Okay. I mean, possibility they could go zero and four. I just needed to see how Maryland. there's no chance they go on four because there's no chance they lose that first game to the Raiders. So they could never. Uh, no, uh, so, but one and three. Yeah, of course. I mean, this is what we've been watching. I mean, I'm not that optimistic that this team is you know all of a sudden completely fixed. It's been years of awful football. So I uh, certainly that can happen. I don't think it will, though. I, I look at it, and, and you know, obviously, hey, still got every every week's different. I don't know what this football team's going to look like week three, who's going to be playing, who's not, who's injured, all these different things. I don't know what the Dolphins are going to look like. But right now, when I look at the schedule, for the first four games, and uh, Judy, no Judy, whatever, right, Obviously, it'd be nice to have them um, for a couple of the first four, but I'm thinking three and one, two and two, right, right there, right. Okay. I mean, I don't think that they two and two at the worst. I don't think it's going to be four and zero, oh, um, but but I don't think it's going to be um, one and three. I, I just don't think when, when you look at it. What, what do you? I mean, I see a win against the Raiders. You, you ought to beat the Commanders. Probably a loss against a Dolphin. And I think that Bears game is a sneaky, tough game. But by that point, um, I mean, they could get that win. I mean, I think they could. So I'm looking, you know, that, I'm kind of three and one, two and two to start the year uh, with, with this football team. And that's, you know, not really knowing Judy. How do you feel about the first four? I think without Judy, a lot of those games become coin flip games. This was a team that was four, nine, and one score games last year. Stoke. They're going to play a lot of close games with or without Judy. Yep. That's just going to happen. They were the worst it's offense. The NFL, right? It's the NFL. I mean, this is what happens in the NFL. Yeah, I think Rachel yesterday said 85% of NFL games and and with a one-score margin. Wow. Which, I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, you and I play the we, – we spray the board every weekend, right? I mean, look, I mean, that's exactly how it comes down. It's, it's a play here, a play there, a penalty yep. here. Yeah, I just – I'm curious to see what they do – in his stead, like how do they shape out the roster without him here? Maybe for the first several weeks, because you already lost Tim Patrick, you already lost or got rid of KJ Hamler, you lost Jalen Virgil, so now you lose a fourth receiver in the deepest position group on your team. Now all of a sudden, that room doesn't look so deep, Stoke. That room looks like a weakness where maybe we were talking heading into training camp about it being a strength. So. Before the Judy injury, you couldn't have even told me confidently who was the third option in this offense after Patrick went down. Now, you can't even confidently tell me who the second option is. So let's talk about who's going to step up for him. Obviously, number one, Sutton, right? Yeah. Okay. That's that's basically in stone at this point, at least for the first few weeks. Who's number two? Offensively, um, in the passing game or just... Overall. Who's wide receiver number two? Wide receiver number two. Wide receiver number two. I think it's Marquez Callaway. Hmm. I think it's going to be Callaway um, as your number two wide receiver, opposite of Cortland Sutton. Why? He's a veteran player. Sean Payton knows him. Mm-hmm. I think Sean Payton trusts him. That's why he brought him here. Has he made any plays this far in Cal- no, not Not a ton of plays, no. Um, he hasn't. But I don't think, I'm trying to think who, what other option has made a ton of plays. It's yeah. just, just in their career as a whole. So a lot of inexperience. 
this is the one veteran player that's actually been out there and done it. You know, had a season with Sean Payton, I think, with Sean Payton. Yeah, James um, Winston. Yeah, yeah, seven over 700 yards. 2021. So, um, you know, there's some experience there with those two guys, but also he's actually been on the football field when it matters, real games, and produced. I think it's either going to be Marquez Callaway, and coming into training camp, I was actually – looking forward to seeing what he could bring to the table because one thing's clear after seeing him out there. He knows the system. He's well aware of what they're trying to do. He's not in the wrong position. He's not going to shoot the team in the foot, which I think that's a great place to start, right? Is the guy you're putting on the field a negative? Can't have that, especially when you get this deep into your wide receiver depth chart. So I think it'll either be him or Brandon Johnson. Now, I know Brandon Johnson's coming off the ankle injury, but to me, he just profiles physically as a guy that you'd want out there who can maybe give you a little bit more than Callaway. Am I wrong to think that? No, I I don't think so. Um, I, I like him. I like his game, and I think the coaches have shown us that they trust him and they like him. Mm. He was in there early and often before he got hurt right. and getting a lot of first-team reps. So how much did that set him back, though, mm-hmm. you know, that injury? And now can he get back up to speed to get that trust back that they, were, that they had in him early in camp? I, I, I don't know if he can. But I no I, I don't I could see that happening where you know it's Sutton and Brandon Johnson. The one thing I like about Callaway too is he can be your slot guy, right? He can play inside or outside. He doesn't necessarily have to be just the outside receiver. He can step in too and take some of that role. Where had Sutton and Patrick been healthy, right? Judy has seen a lot of time in the inside in camp so far, right? Patrick did too, but Judy also has at that position. You could also go with Kendall Hinton. I think the door is now open for Kendall Hinton to potentially make the 53 right out of camp. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, you got a, uh, uh, an open spot now that it didn't look like would be there. Right. DMAC yesterday was looking at the ESPN.com depth chart, and he said, it says Marvin Mims opposite of Cortland Sutton. I said, don't, please don't. ESPN.com depth chart well, doesn't Scott, know more well, than we do. But, w- but it you- has three receivers on it. So did D-Mac tell you that? No. Three receivers no. starting. Okay. Oh, okay. So well, it has totally Judy, different then. it has Sutton, it has Mims, and because I think that's what it's going to be. You like, think Mims I, is going to be out there? Well, I think if Judy didn't get hurt, yes. I, I think I think Mims would have been the third wide receiver, and then Judy slide into the slot. Mm. And, and Mims become the outside guy. We were seeing a lot of that in camp. So now how do you think they play it? Now I think they play it. I don't think Mims has done enough. This is a guy that I think Sean Payton really likes. Yeah. They moved up to draft him, but I don't I don't it doesn't and it doesn't sound like, you know, he's in love with what he's seen so far from from him, right? He was he was injured a lot, off and on the practice field, yada yada yada, and then when he's been out there, he hasn't been a consistent playmaker. So I don't think he's anybody that they can trust. I mean, for if for for my money, it's Cortland Sutton, it's Marquez Callaway, and I'm a, I'm gonna go. For me, Montreal Washington in the slot. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Curveball! Yeah! Wow! Yeah, I didn't expect that, that one. Circle change right there. You did that. that you I don't know. That was a twelve. Ball. That was a twelve sixer. That might have just dropped right out of yep. the sky on my Froze head. you pizza. Three. Montreal Washington. Yep. Um, he didn't even sniff the field in San Francisco. I mean, what, did he get one kick return? Um, I, 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 I've kind of, you know, liked what I've seen from him in practice. 
How much I don't know. Different That's is that just than kinda, last year? Huh? How much different is that than last year? Because he was making plays all over training camp last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, he needs to have a, a, a probably a good preseason game to, to make the football team, though. Because um, Mims is making it. Obviously, Sutton, Judy. Then you got, um, you know, maybe two spots open. Is it Brandon Johnson and Marquez Callaway? They keep five, so, right? So, re- repeat your five here. You said Sutton. Judy, Mims. Well, well, Judy clearly, but he's out for now, so we're going to take him yeah. out of the equation. No, you have to keep him because um, the the problem is he's going to be on the roster. Oh, right, because you're not going to put him on IR. No. All right, well, I got a better idea. Okay. Let's ask somebody who really knows what's going on let's, here. Let's ask Troy. On the Johnson that? Auto Plaza hotline, Troy Rank of Denver 7 is our guest. Good afternoon, Troy. How was the stadium tour? You know, I missed it because I was filming a commercial for my Broncos Minute I do with Steve Atwater. So I was un- unable to go, unfortunately. Filming I a was commercial. Preoccupied yeah. Look filming at you. A commercial. Big Look time, Troy. <laughs> we see you. We see you, Troy. I love it. So you weren't able to go around and see the new scoreboard and see the new Breckenridge Club and, you know, everywhere where us peasants will never be able to go? Yeah, I mean, it looked cool. I mean, I've heard great things. I talked to Damani Leach about it yesterday because I thought they had used the scoreboard at least part of it for the new Jumbotron for the Ed Sheeran or Taylor Swift concerts. And he said, no, that the first time it's going to be kind of in action, if you will, it will be at the game. Now they showed it some today, but it looks amazing. I mean, it's huge. It's, you know, like basically triple the size it was. And that does affect the fans. A lot of the other stuff, it's stuff they gleaned from touring stadiums. The Walton Pinner group, I was at every road game and they toured essentially every road stadium. So you can see with that Breckenridge club and the suites, They've taken from ideas they've seen at other places, which are very common now at NFL stadiums, but that doesn't impact most fans. The scoreboard is something I love because it impacts all of us. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see it. Um, you, you just love it. Love love that they're investing in that stadium and the, the fan experience. I think I think it's awesome. I can't wait to go to a game and, and be able to check it out. Troy, um, Jerry, Judy, just thoughts on, you know, the, the hamstring injury and then learning that, you know, it's going to be uh, several weeks. Yeah, I mean, it stinks. You've lived this life, so you know. I mean, people, I don't know why they're surprised when they hear a guy gets a hamstring injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks. There's no magical potion to heal a hamstring. It takes time. And they had a, roughly like 16 hamstring injuries last year. Soft tissue injuries stink. And my own sons have battled it through their own athletics careers. And it, it's usually a three-week injury. The difference is when you're in high school or college, you can kind of limp your way through it because you're one of the better players and the competition isn't great. You have to be healthy or at least close to it in the NFL. Yeah, not everyone's Brandon Stokely, right? So I would think that... Uh, <laughs> Don't butter him up be, that much, Troy. You're going to be three... Yeah, exactly. You're going to probably be three weeks is my guess. This is I'm not a doctor, but the the issue is when does he start practicing again? So I won't know and have a better idea until I see him on a side field going through reps. Like we saw McGlinchey, we saw Justin Simmons on side field. Yeah. You can see their progression, and you're like, okay, they're going to be back here soon. You can just tell by the, the nature and the pace of what the, the reps are going through. They're close. With Judy, we're going to have to see it. What does it look like? Because he's only, what, 16 days out from the opener now? I can't see in any scenario where he'd be ready for the opener because what he'd have would mean he'd have to practice right what the end of that week and I don't I just can't see them Brandon putting him out there without practice my my guess this is just a guess is that he comes back for the Miami game the third game of the season I hope it's sooner I just no hamstring injuries usually when you feel good 
you give it another week, and that for me would put him for the Miami game. We were just having a conversation, and Troy Rank of Denver 7 is our guest. We were just having a conversation about it without Judy now for several weeks. What does that wide receiver room look like? Because it feels like now that you've lost four receivers from what was your deepest position group heading into camp, it opens the door for a lot of guys. So what are your eyes telling you here? Yeah, I mean, it's not a great situation to be in because you're just dealing with inexperience now and you don't know how that's going to relate. But the number one receiver is Corlin Sutton. And after a great first few weeks of camp, he's tailed off. They absolutely need him to be a guy. And go up and win a ball. Win a contested ball once in a while. Like, be a guy. Make a play. I mean, that's things we don't see enough out there is receivers making plays for Russell. And I'm not making excuses for Russell, but just like an infielder, sometimes you go in the hole and make a play for a guy. It doesn't have to be routine every time. But it's Cortland, you got Brandon Johnson, you got Kendall Hinton, and you got Marvin Mims Jr. Those are the main guys. Little Jordan Humphrey, for me, makes it based on how he's been used. Marquez Calloway just has not popped at camp. I could not tell you one play where I said, okay, that's the guy I saw a few years ago. He should be on the team. Now, his experience in the offense might help him stick, at least initially. But my guess is they're not going to put Judy on the IR, so they're going to have to carry him and have not playing. So you got to be careful, and the other receiver you carry almost has to have a special teams role. So could Montreal Washington sneak, sneak on? Taylor Grimes, for me, looks like a practice squad guy. He's got no run of late. Uh, to make that kind of move. But they're, they're woefully inexperienced, but it presents opportunity for Brandon Johnson, who looked great before his ankle injury. Can he step up? Can Sutton be the man for a couple weeks and really set the tone for that room? And Marvin Mim Jr. for me is a wild card just because he's inexperienced. He missed a few weeks of camp or a few days of camp with a hamstring injury himself. I just don't know what to expect from him. But his speed is real. I would love for him to develop into a Tyler Lockett player in a few years, but I don't know what it's going to look like these first few weeks. Yeah, um, and Troy Rank joining us. Troy, what uh, what are you expecting to see from the Broncos tomorrow night? Uh, the starters play a lot, play a little, play none. What, what do you expect? I would. There's going to be some that don't play. I mean, why would you play Sertan? Simmons isn't going to play. I don't know if McGlinchey would play if they decided because he got reps in those two practices against the Rams. I wouldn't play him either. I don't expect to see Russell. I don't. Uh, if their starters play, maybe the line, the core group of the line, gets some reps, and maybe that's they want him in a game with McGlinchey for one series. But Peyton described it that if the starters play, Brandon, it'd likely only be one series. And so offensively, would that include Russell Wilson? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe. It doesn't have to. I guess if you're going to put them all out there, it's maybe it's all of them or nothing. But I don't expect – there's some guys that aren't going to play. I wouldn't expect to see Randy Gregory tomorrow after the reps he got uh, against the Niners, and I wouldn't play Sertan. He would be nowhere near the field for me. But there's still guys fighting. And there's eight to ten open roster spots in theory. And that special teams play you make, maybe you show as a receiver you can play special teams and make a play. The tight end room still up for debate. Albert O., Albert Okawebanom has had two pretty good weeks. He played well at San Francisco, and then he has two great days, and then he, he scores a touchdown yesterday. What does he do? He spikes the ball over the goalpost and gets a penalty. I'm like, Albert O, read the room. All Sean talks about, Peyton, is tough players, smart players, physical players, and you're doing some of that, and then you spike the ball over the goalpost? Like, dude, what are we doing? You just self-sabotage here? But I, for me... If he, if he blocks well in this game, I would keep him over Nate Atkins. I would keep him. But he he's had he's had so much ground to make up, I don't know if he has time. 
Troy, our biggest question heading into training camp was, could Sean Payton fix Russell Wilson? I'm not necessarily going to ask you that because I don't even think you could possibly generate an answer for that. There hasn't been enough time, Troy. But how do you feel about this entire operation? Have your expectations changed since before training camp? Not for Peyton. I've seen his footprint on this team now. The discipline, the way they play, the way they compete, the games especially. Uh, there's just the attention to detail is starting to pay off. And I know people say they didn't look great against the Rams. It was underwhelming the first day, and they started strong yesterday, and they didn't finish. But my theory on this is, and maybe it's different than others, he knows they've hit a wall. They've hit a wall kind of physically and mentally, and you usually don't do those joint practices this late in the process. This is right when you feel like, man, I've had enough, and then here comes another team into town bringing the noise, and they weren't ready for it. I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing like I normally would, given the timing. I see it as him trying to delineate who are my guys. Who can come out of this process tougher, smarter for all of what we're putting you through? He wants to see where you are on September 10th. He's not grading the final on yesterday's Thursday practice. I have great expectations for Peyton. I just don't think he has enough of his guys. And what I've watched this summer I haven't seen enough to change my prediction from nine and eight. In fact, I'm tilting more toward eight and nine right now because of the receiver's injuries, but it's not on Peyton. Some of it, it's just going to take for me a year for him to get more of his guys in. They're just not as talented as people think. Every time we watch them, they're just not. And the problem is they have no depth. They, I know they talk about, but they really don't have depth at key positions. So that's why the receiver thing's a concern for me. The offensive line remains a concern for me. And just they don't have enough yet, but I am seeing what I want to see from Sean Payton. Absolutely. All right, Troy, thanks for uh, joining us, buddy. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch back up uh, next week. You got it, guys. Take care. See you. Thank you, Troy. That is Troy Rank of Denver 7, our guest on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Brought to you by ROX. Rocks. Heating and air? Heating and air. My guys. Your guys. ROX. They take oh, yeah. care of you? Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, yes. You got to have good HVAC. Yes. Good HVAC guys. Yep. Otherwise, the you best. can be screwed. Yes, that is correct. All right. It's time. We're going to play a little role reversal. I'm going to answer Stokes' burning questions about the CU buffs because we're oh. eight days away from kickoff with Bam. TCU. We come. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Ah. Oh. Oh. Hey, I'm trying to get Matt Smith and Brandon Stokely. In on your Friday afternoon. You know what song this is, Stoke? Stand up. I don't. Uh, you heard it, though. Hell yeah. 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 Good, what a, I mean, it's got a great beat. Great, great song. Yeah. This was definitely on my high school basketball pop-up playlist. This is going to be the theme song for the Buffs okay. this season and for Coach Prime because you know what he always says, right? For Coach? Yeah. They gave me my theme music. That's how oh. they come out. Oh. That's how they come out. That was Jackson State last year. Okay. He, always, he always goes, they gave me my theme music. Okay. But this year it's going to be halftime by the Ying Yang Twins. There's also another track. He's got two of them right now. He said it's that one, and the other one is two of America's most wanted, Tupac and Snoop Dogg. He said he was looking for a third song, a country song, to appease everyone, in uh-huh. his words. 
I just does country music get you fired up like that? Like uh, I, I struggle. I struggle with country music being hype music. Maybe hype to go party. Yeah, hype to toss back a couple of cold ones. Right. Just not like hype to go play football. Hit somebody yeah, in the I mouth. I can see that. I can right? see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm. Yep. We're eight days away. And I love country. I know you do, and I do too. Which is why I had to ask. Yeah. Because we don't discriminate. Nope. We're eight days out. Eight days out. Next Saturday, Colorado at TCU. And last night at 3 a.m., started thinking about, you know, fear of missing out. Coach Prime's first game, the Prime Era. I booked my passage. I got tickets. Plane tickets, that is. I'll be covering the game. But, yeah, I'll be down there. That's awesome. What's the... um What's your feel? What's your feel right now? I mean, obviously, look, a lot of hype mm. surrounding the program, and it's been fun seeing what uh, Dion has been able to do uh, with with CU and kind of put them back on the map. I mean, that's like you turn on ESPN. We have it on ESPN, and, and we were just – they were showing Dion on there and talking about the buffs. And so that wouldn't happen if uh, <laughs> Dion uh, didn't come to, to Boulder. So – where are you at uh, being up there um, and watching some of their practices? Uh, more optimistic, less optimistic? Where are you? There he is right there. Right. Just showing him prime. They're there all over. I mean, it feels like we're living in the twilight zone. I said this yesterday on the drive. I said sometimes being up there, because we've been around and we, we can still smell the stink, right? Dion and all the new coaches and all the new players, they don't know what it's been like. Right, they never experienced that. So for them, they don't associate CU with all of that failure. But everybody up there understands has been around that that program has been cloaked in it for years. So sometimes I'll be honest, it feels just a little fraudulent. Like, oh my goodness, this is one eleven, and you got Michael Irvin and Terrell Owens showing up to practice. To's there for the whole week helping out with the kids. It's been a movie. I think the first time I realized that it was a movie was one of Prime's. I think it was like his third or fourth press conference. He didn't like the way he answered a question, and he legitimately said, cut, and he did it again for the camera. And I was like, oh, so he's wow. just the director of his own movie. Like, that's how this whole thing is going to go. And it's basically been like that. He's the king of the castle. He lays down the law. What Prime says goes. It reminds me a lot of the Broncos, the situation they were in with Russell Wilson. They were so desperate for relevancy, so desperate. Like, they like they were desperate for quarterback play, Stoke. Like, they needed water stranded in the desert, and CU needs relevancy just the same. And they were willing to do whatever it took. So Prime has the keys. Perfect. What we have learned is that they have a legitimate chance to be a dynamic offense. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. Shadur Sanders can play. But what we have really learned from fall camp is this group of receivers they have and this group of running backs, they're the real deal. If they can find a way to hold up for Shadur up front, and I would say offensively right now, we spoke with Bill O'Boyle last week, offensive line coach. We spoke with uh, Sal Sinceri, who's the D-tackles coach, who goes up against him just the other day, and offensive coordinator Sean Lewis. And and Lewis said, look, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to get out of that five up front, but we do have five up front now. And if they can keep Shadur healthy, Stoke, they should be able to score with just about anybody. They got legit dudes. Now, defensively, I believe that that's going to be the wild card for CU. You've got a defensive line that's not going to be very deep, but they've got some players that are stepping up and making strides. Your secondary is actually pretty experienced, as are your middle linebackers. So if you can get that group to come together as a cohesive unit and not get gashed on the ground for over 200 yards a game, 
you're going to be able to hang around. So, honestly, I feel better. I do. With substance to draw from. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's great to hear, uh, obviously. I look at the line. Mm-hmm. I look at the line. Look mm-hmm. at Vegas, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of no emotion, right? Yep. Vegas doesn't have any emotion. They just try to set the right line to win money. It's three and a half, Matt. I know. It's three and a half. Yeah. And it's been that way for since it opened. And the, right? o- and the over, you get plus money on it. Right. The under is where you have to put up more money. So the odds are saying that the under is going to hit, right? Right. right I mean, right. we're reading that right, huh? Yeah. So what do, what do you what do you make of that? The public, the most the most bet on total in college football right now is over three and a half for CU for the public, which should scare you to death, right? Because whenever that happens, you go, oh boy, public's all over it. Now I got to rethink this one. Public's right on this. Vegas got this one wrong. CU will win four to five games as long as Shadur Sanders stays healthy this year. I can go through the schedule with you. We can do it like that. But they absolutely, in fact, Stokely, if Shador stays healthy, I would be really surprised if they won less than four games. But my expectation is realistic. It's four to five. Okay. Right? Okay, you, so you've got, got seven. No, okay. no, 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 no. But it's a building block because it's sure. all about next year. Yes, of course. It's all about next year. Now, maybe you get lucky and upset a team you're not supposed to. Prime certainly thinks that. They're going to be able to go toe-to-toe with anybody. Yeah. We'll see what happens, you know, when they go on the road to Oregon. Yeah. That's not going to be easy. The first month of the season is, t- man, you open up at TCU, home to Nebraska, home to CSU, at Oregon, home to USC. Now, luckily, some of those games are at home, but at the same time, man, that is a brutal opening five for a program coming off a 1-11 season. It, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think my big concern here also is that – you know, what happens if you lose by 30 to TCU, right? Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, that could happen, right? I mean, they're sure. 20-point underdog, 21-point <laughs> underdog, and they're playing on the road against a team that was just in the national championship game. Okay? When was the last time Colorado competed on the road in an environment like that? Yes. It's been a long time. Right. Michigan. Right. So, yeah. Like, you get blown out. And then maybe, you know, Nebraska comes to town and, you know, I know you don't want to hear this. And but, they take the L on the way out? And, and, and they find a way to, you know, win by 10. Like, like that's mm-hmm. my big concern. Like, all of a sudden, two games in, it seems like all the momentum could be gone, right? Because you're a 20-point underdog in week one. And that second week, I don't know they're if ten, They're up. almost nine-and-a-half-point underdog, which I got to tell you right now. See you. <laughs> right, so see, once again, so so that's not crazy talk. So uh-uh. you lose by 30, you lose by 10 to Nebraska, okay? Right. Now, like, how does that feel? What does that look like? Is there enough to, like, continue the momentum if they're not out there winning football games. It's going to be tough if you don't beat Nebraska. I'll agree with you 100% there. But luckily for them, CSU is the perfect timing on okay. their schedule because that's a layup. I, look, I, I got some friends up at CSU. And CSU, they expect their defense to be a little bit better. They've got one good receiver. Their running backs are a little bit better. But they're, they're, their quarterback, man, he just hasn't taken a jump up there in Fort Collins from everything I've heard. Guys inside the program talking about maybe four to five wins for the Rams up there. I think that CSU steamrolls, uh, CU steamrolls CSU at home. Okay. Just steamrolls them. That's the first time the Rocky Mountain Showdown comes back to campus. Yeah, they could lose a little bit of momentum, but conversely, if you go out and you compete with TCU, right? Let's just say you lose one score game at TCU, hypothetically. Oh, that would be, that would be. 
That's a huge Amazing. win. Yes. Huge win. And by the way, that's not crazy. It's just not. TCU has a whole new operation this year. They lost tons of players to graduation, some to the transfer portal, and they reloaded. But for a national champion runner-up, you would have expected a little bit more in the reloading process. At least I would have. I legitimately think that CU has an opportunity. Now, look at this. How about this one? I got, I got a little piece of audio here for you. CBS Sports Network, Randy Cross, former college football player, right? He's an expert for them. This is what he thought. This is what he had to say on the TCU game. And I guess the knee-jerk reaction would just see automatically as they were in the final last year, TCU opens up and goes crazy. I'm not going to discount what Deion Sanders is going to do at Colorado, and I think it gets started with a win, an upset win at TCU. Okay, Randy. Okay. (laughs) I'm not calling my shot. I'm not calling the upset win shot, but I'll tell you this. I took the points. Okay. I took the points. The Buffs are going to cover that spread. They're not losing by three touchdowns on a road TCU. And I'll be the first one to have egg on my face. I will. But from what I've seen, they're going to have a team that can go down there and that can compete. That would be awesome. You know, um, that, I mean, that's, I think in that football game, like you said, upset. All right. But, but if you just compete and go toe to toe for four quarters, you can move the ball, get one first down. It's already an improvement over last year for crying out loud. Look, Stoke, I, I, I'm excited about it, man, but I'm also realistic here in this process. We, I spoke with the Buffs fan the other day. He was like, man, I think the Buffs have a shot to win the Pac-12 this year. I was like, all right, you need to calm down. Yeah. You know, you really need to calm down. You need to look at the quarterbacks in this conference. Washington's a top-10 team. USC's a top-5 team. Heck, man, Oregon State's going to have a good football team. UCLA is still there, even though they lost their starting quarterback. Utah's pretty good last time I checked. Oh, yeah, and they've got a fifth-year senior in Cam Rising who's back. That's going to be a really tough team to beat. This won't be an easy year in the Pac-12 conference, but here are the wins that I think the the Buffs could potentially get, all right? Nebraska, I think they beat Nebraska. CU hasn't lost to Nebraska in 13 years, by the way. They beat CSU. I think you beat Stanford. And then it's at Arizona State first. I think you got a chance to win at Arizona State because one thing that people aren't talking about is Kenny Dillingham down there has 59 new players. He's just he's doing the same thing that Coach Prime is doing with like 10 less new guys and is getting zero heat for it. I think they got a chance to win at Arizona State. They're going to beat Stanford at home. Stanford, in fact, is an underdog in all 12 of their games this oh. year. And then Arizona... Coming to Boulder is better with Jed Fish, but that's absolutely a winnable game. There's five right there. I, I think you take care of three easily, and then I believe they'll at least beat one of the Arizona schools. So I got you to four. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see. They're beating Matt Rule. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. You coming? Um, Not sure. UCLA, what would you say, Dante? I was just saying, I think UCLA is a winnable game as well. Yeah, I think that's I th- absolutely, man. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm just like, people need to understand this is a team that can On be the competitive. Road? Yeah, but it's the Rose Bowl. I Nobody shows up in passing. Yeah, yeah, but still, I don't, it doesn't matter. It's still. With old Chip Kelly? Yeah. Well, the problem is they haven't been able to stop the run. So as long as they can do that, we'll get back in the buffs here coming up just a little bit later. But Bill Barnwell made very interesting comparisons for Russell Wilson. And I want to see if Stoke thinks they're apt or not. And we'll do that next. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. Russell Wilson in a resurgence? One expert says, don't be surprised. Bill Barnwell, ESPN. You're familiar, right, Stoke? Yeah. Yeah. 
He does a good job. He does a great job. I always always love the stuff that Bill Barnwell does. He talked about his four teams with the best chance of improving their records this season. Okay, he does this annual exercise, and we're just at the tail end of listicle season, right? The yeah. tail end of the ranking season. But this one I found very interesting. Since he started doing this exercise, 24 of the 30 teams that Bill picked in his column to improve have actually done that. 24 of 30, we both know. Great hit percentage there. Yes. Last year he went 4-1. and one. He picked the Jags and the Lions. They went from three win seasons to over 500. He picked the Ravens, who improved by two games over the last year, despite missing Lamar Jackson for a big chunk of the season. He also had Buffalo, who went from 11 to 13 wins, despite having to play a home game in Detroit and only 16 total games because of the DeMar Hamlin situation against Cincinnati. The only team, the only blemish on his record was the Denver Broncos. The only blemish. It was the second consecutive year he'd picked them, and he said he did it the second year in a row because how could you not? Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, you're coming off a year where, heck, you went 7-10 and with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you bring in Russell Wilson, who's the winningest quarterback over the first 10 years of any career in NFL history. It's got to get better, right? Mm. Not so much. No. Not so much. The Broncos, Bill Barnwell says, by adjusted games lost, were the NFL's most injured team a year ago. And by the way, an interesting side note here, Denver has ranked in the bottom 10 in injuries each of the past four seasons, which maybe we ought to be looking into why that is the case, because that's a pretty strong sample size, four years in a row, now into a fifth with how many injuries they have already suffered here. Well, I mean, they, they, they put a lot into it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they hired different people to try to help them stay you know, healthier, whether it be nutrition side of things and, you know, new weight coats. And, and so they're, they're I, I think they've looked into it a lot and, and trying to make the corrections. At the end of the day, it's still football, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so you can do all you want to do. You're still going to have some hamstrings. You're still going to have some ACLs. You're gonna, that's just going to happen. It's football. But this is going to be year five, and you already have this much stuff going on. If you've taken care of the operational side of it, which they did, right? They got rid of Lauren Landau, or at least mutually agreed to part ways. They brought in Dan Dalrymple, all of Sean Payton's you know, staff. They reviewed what they were doing there. What is the, what is the process of deductive reasoning lead you to believe if the operational side has been taken care of and maybe we're still seeing some of the same stuff outside of Chalking it up to it's football. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what else it could be. Look, it's you're running a lot. It's hot. You know, some guys are dehydrated, and you know things happen, right? I, I, I don't know how else to read into it uh, with with injuries because I, I think you're never going to prevent mm-hmm. injuries. Um, you, you're going to have not. some. Yeah, you, you're always going to have some injuries in training camp and during the season. People get rolled up. I mean, Glinchy, he got rolled up on. Right, someone fell. He got rolled up on and pushed back a little bit. Right, yeah. and then he he got injured. You can't, you know, th- those things are always going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just going to happen. So I'm I don't know what else you could, I don't know what else you could do to, um, uh, you know, you you put the resources into your nutrition, to you know maybe doing some things different in the weight room or whatever the case may be to try to help yourself. But you know. Um, it's going to happen. I'm willing to write injuries like McGlinchey sprained knee, guy rolling up on you off. But if you look at the Broncos wide receiver room dating back to 2020, 
Jerry Judy, since he came in the league, has had different things happen to him, certainly. You look at Tim Patrick, we don't need to tell the story there. Back-to-back years, Cortland Sutton, we know the drill. Maybe you just have a couple of guys who are injury-prone. Maybe that's the situation. Maybe it's your personnel. Maybe it's not the way you're doing things. Yeah. So I think that's probably something to keep an eye on here throughout the rest of this season because, yeah, of course, it's football. You're going to get bumps and bruises, sprained knees, you know, twist this, tweak that. But, man, I don't know. It just feels like, yet again, you've got the training room filling up here. And I know it's dog days of camp, but for the fifth year in a row, you already project to be bottom 10 again in injuries. Maybe you ought to look at what's really another another angle here. Take a step back and a different perspective. Just my two cents. All right, moving on. He talks about, Bill Barnwell did in his piece, where he noted the Broncos is one of the four teams he picks to improve based upon last season. He notes the strong defensive performance through Week 13. He said the Broncos' defense ranked second in points per possession allowed. Sertan and company had a case to be considered right alongside the Niners, Cowboys, Jets and Patriots as one of football's best defenses. He says from 14 on, though, week 14 on, they were 31st in points per possession allowed. So we all know the stat with the sacks. Final nine games of the year, only 12 sacks. Couldn't get to the quarterback. The defense fell off a cliff. They went from one of the best defenses in the league to one of the worst defenses in the league at the end of the year, Stokely. So Barnwell projects the Broncos to improve because he doesn't think that that's going to continue. He thinks that they're going to be healthier. But he also talks about Russell Wilson. And this is where I need your need your expert eye here. Barnwell continues. The real question of Denver's ceiling comes down to what Peyton can do with Wilson, who fell apart just one year ago. When I looked into his future in my deep dive, I found other veteran quarterbacks who took similar dives and then returned to relevancy, including Brett Favre, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Steve McNair. Wilson's a unique player, and it's always possible that an undersized quarterback who relied so heavily on his legs to extend plays as a passer might not be able to thrive in his mid-30s. But he was a very valuable player for the Seahawks in 2021. Do you see similarities between Brett Favre, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Steve McNair, and Russell Wilson? I hope so. I uh, hope that's what happens here. hope we can add Russ to the list. That would be nice. Uh, I think he's got the right coach to try to game plan around him, to try to lift him up and help him out um, and and put him in a better situation than, than what he was in last year. So hopefully he, he's added to that list. I don't know if he's ready to, you know, I don't know if we're going to see Russ prime Russ, you know, like great Russ, special Russ uh, uh, consistently. I just don't know what he has left in the tank when it comes to those types of things. But I think with Sean Payton together, those two can do um, hopefully some good things and get back heading in the right direction for Russ, right? I mean, we saw last year him trying to be that pocket quarterback and, you know, be like a Drew Brees. It's just not him. That's just not who he is. So hopefully he can get back to being Russ, you know, making more plays off schedule, off script, be more – uh, a willing runner and, and do those things and, and have a running game to go. And we see, you know, a better rust than we did last year, more of what, you know, you saw there in 2021. How, I mean, how do you view it? This is going to be Russell's age 35 season. So I think you look at these names that he brought up in their age 35 seasons. What did they do? Can we take anything from that? That's on the other side.